Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday morning, and I am filling in. We were going to have a guest host, uh, Ryan Pickard, talking about creating buyer loyalty this morning. And uh, Ryan had something come up in an emergency, so I am taking over. But I, I will keep his topic because I thought it was a good topic. And I quickly jotted down notes last night and said, all right, we're doing creating buyer loyalty. Um, I'm probably also going to talk a little bit about uh, energy hacks for real estate agents, like creating energy and maintaining energy, because I really believe that having uh, you know, sustained significant energy is a good thing. So we'll see how much we get into and what, what, uh, what topics we get into, what time we have. I would love for this call to be collaborative um, in terms of around the things that you guys are doing to create buyer loyalty. So Zach or Autumn, whoever is watching the Facebook feed, um, if you guys let me know if there's people who uh, added anything on the Facebook comments. I know we have our audience split between uh, live here on Zoom and on the Facebook. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Craig. Nadia, the TCI. I see you guys. Patrick, I see you guys here on Zoom. Hi. How are you guys feeling? I honestly see, I see stairs. I guess Dan, Dan's feeling okay. You feeling okay, Dan? All right, good. <laughs> Patrick says he's great. Awesome. Just making sure you guys are with me. So um, in the world of creating buyer loyalty, Nadia, thank you for turning your camera on. There we go. I like this. All right, we'll see who's here. So really truly, guys, um, I wrote out this outline last night, just looking at what are the things that I've done. I've kind of started from the legal contractual in terms of buyer agency agreements, going expectations going down through more like relational things in terms of like gifts, Popeyes, remembering details about their life. And we'll dive into each of these. But as we go through it, please, I want you guys to jump in and tell me, are there things you're doing? This is a really interesting market right now where we have relationships with buyers for in some ways a lot longer than we've ever had in the past. You guys agree with that? Right? Sometimes these relationships go on much longer than we would like them to go on, but they're still going on because we're showing properties and we're showing properties. And so you work really, really hard to get to the point where this person is out looking at houses with you. And you want to create that and create that loyalty, not only for this transaction, but for future ones. So let's start with first um, the buyer consultation and the way you guys are setting expectations. I won't do a deep dive on this because I'm assuming this is pretty straightforward, but Raise your hand if you have changed the way you manage your clients' expectations or set expectations before you start showing houses. Right? Danny has. Anybody else? Are you guys Are you guys saying anything different? So no, either you're not raising your hand or you're still doing the same thing as you did before. That Type in the box. Is it, Are you guys doing different things today in your first meeting with a client than you did a year ago? I hope you are. I hope you were talking through and leveraging statistics. Jen says, heck yes. Okay. So if you want to come off mute and tell me what you're doing, I'm using a lot of statistics as well as stories, anecdotal stories, stories talking about the clients we're working with, the number of offers we've written, the fact that you know, we wrote the offers of properties. That, you know, here's what it was here's what it was listed at, here's what it sold for, right? Jen's typing in the box, exactly. That's, that's what I'm doing a lot of. I want to really show and paint this picture, not in a downer, not in a scary sort of way, but just in a, here's what you want to expect. One, because I want to make sure that I'm shaking out any of the people that are really, truly not motivated because they're probably not buying in this market. You got to have some pretty motivated people. And two, because if you're looking to create loyalty, people want to hear the information up front. People want to know 
what it's like. That's why they're coming to, to work with us. So my personal opinion, I do believe in a buyer agency agreement. We don't have to have a debate about it this morning, but if you strongly disagree, I'll listen. Does anyone strongly disagree and say, Jesse, no, we're not going to do, do buyer agency agreements. And, and I'll tell you why I believe in them first. And how many of you guys believe in, yes, I use a buyer agency agreement most of the time, every time. Dan does. Is anyone like, I use them? How many of you, be honest, say, I probably should use them, but I don't use them that often? All right. Jen says, I have a hard time doing these. Awesome. Uh, you're, thank you for the honesty. Because this is where I find a lot of people think, I probably should do them, but I don't. So I figured we'd spend a little bit of time talking about buyer agency agreements. Okay, Nadia says, it's now part of the business practice I learned the hard way. I, I do them. Here's the thing. Think about your listing contracts. How many of you would list a house without a listing agreement? Not even a question, right? No one would do it. It just wouldn't do it. And, but on the buy side, we work all the time without a contract. Most agents, I find, don't sign it. Maybe it's geographic, depending on the area. And what I believe is the buyer agency agreement that you sign is a byproduct of getting hired. I'll say that again. The buyer agency agreement is a byproduct of getting hired. I don't care about the contract and the piece of paper that it's written on. I make all my buyer agency agreements cancelable. Right? But what I want is a meeting of the minds where they know I'm going to work exclusively 100% for them. And I want to have in return to know that they're going to work just with me. Right? And some agents in this market, or some buyers in this market might feel like if I work with as many agents as possible, it's going to up my chances of getting a property. Has anyone had a client tell them that? Right? I don't want to work with anybody specific because it's going to help me. No? No one's heard that recently? Okay. I have. Right? I, just want to, I just want to talk to a bunch of agents. Okay. So if you have a bunch of agents, working just a little bit for you, but no one's really committed to working with you in this market. How, how easy will that be to find a property versus having one agent who's really spending all their effort to make sure they do everything they can to get your property? So in terms of getting hired and, and the buyer agency agreement, I just said they are, I make mine cancelable. You don't have to allow yours to be canceled, but I, I want to work with people that want to work with me. In order to cancel the agreement, though, I do ask for 48-hour notice in writing. That's the verbiage I put on our buyer, buyer, cancel, buyer agreement. It says, this agreement may be canceled at any time with 48 hours notice given in writing. The reason I ask for that is that's the same thing, the way we handle our listing contracts. It allows for a period of time that if your client does get frustrated or something's going on, because in this market where we have limited inventory, do you guys agree it's normal for buyers to feel frustrated? They don't get their fourth offer accepted. They may start feeling like, I got to change something. I got to do everything, right? So this period of 48 hours allows me time to connect with them and see if I can handle whatever it is going on if there is something that's resolvable. Does this make sense, guys? So if you're going to make it cancelable, I highly recommend you leverage that sort of verbiage and say with 48 hours notice. All right. Does anyone want to jump in on buyer agency agreements? Anyone want to talk through? Jen, I don't know if you want to talk through why you have a hard time with it, right? Do you, do you feel like you're like it's something you shouldn't... Uh, tell, tell me more about it just let, before I even assume. Tell me more about why you have a hard time with it. What, what's going on for you? Yeah, I just feel... I think I made it up in the very beginning that I feel really uncomfortable asking for that. It's like almost planting. For me, I have a clear story about it. It's just limiting me of like, why would we need that? I'm loyal. They're not going to go anywhere. It's saying that they might not work with me. It just feels weird. Um, I don't have any like strong reason except that I've never honestly done it in the past. 
Okay. And I, I probably work with 75% buyers. So awesome. And, and if, and that's the thing guys, if it's working for you to not use one, keep doing what you're doing, right? Like if you, like if you, if you've never had any issues with it, Jen, I've always just found that someone else said you learned the hard way. What I've learned was there, the times that I've gotten quote unquote burned were not necessarily that the clients were actually trying to burn me. It was a lack of education on my part where they didn't realize what they were doing. You get that phone call from someone who said, guess what? We found a house, we saw this sign and it was like, you know, and we just walked in and the realtor was so nice and told us he could help us and he wrote up the offer and we, and we got it and we're, and we're good to go. And, and to me, the buyer agency agreement is what comes after the education of, here's how it works. You see a house that you're like, give me a call, give me a text. I'll do all the effort for it. It's just that next natural step. Um, I'll never push you, Jen, and say, you got to do it. You got to do it. But once you have one or two of those things pop up, I'm, I'm a slow learner. I like to learn things twice before I, I change my process. Right? I learn it once. like, ah, I really should do something different. I learn it happens the second time. I'm like, okay, I really need to do this. That's when I adopted buyer agency agreements. I'd work with that. I use them with friends. I use them with relatives, referrals, because it's just part of my process. You might have heard me say this before, guys, but write this down. It's a really good quote from a coach I had once. And it's, you want to be attached to the process, detached from the outcome. Attached to the process, detached from the outcome. So part of my process is they sign a buyer agency agreement, but it's, it's just about being hired. And just like you have your story, Jen, that, and I don't mean to keep picking on you. I just know that you've... Uh, um, I just know that I appreciate you playing along with me this morning. So for me, I have the opposite story. I feel like it makes them feel more comfortable, right? Because it allows us to know that we're working on the same page. That's my story with it, right? It's just part of what we do, uh, right? So we get to that part presentation, you understand. So I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to go out of my way to work with you. So I'll make sure you feel comfortable working with me. Great. All right. Any other questions before we get started on the paperwork or we're on Zoom? Any other questions before I, I shoot over the paperwork? That's, it's that simple is, is how it usually flows in my buyer consultation. If you joined us late, buyer consultation is that first meeting with a buyer. We're talking about creating buyer loyalty, and it starts from the very first meeting. Uh, Nadia says it weeds out buyers who aren't serious, ready to commit. Absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a tool to bring up any objections or any steps in the motivation, anything. It's just a discussion point. Does anyone use buyer agency agreements a lot? I want to throw in anything on this point before we move on. Is anyone open to trying them out now? They're like, I'll try it out. Yeah, Jen's like, I'll, I'll try it. All right, see if, you can, see if you can flip the story, Jen, I'm curious. All right, next little bits for creating buyer loyalty. You wanna go above and beyond, sounds obvious, right? You wanna go, but here's, here's my easiest way. I might've said this on a power huddle once. I love to feed people and give them snacks and drinks that they like. So in the first time I meet them, I literally will ask them on the top of my buyer intake form, I'll ask them, what's your favorite, what's your favorite uh, non-alcoholic drink? What are some of your favorite snacks? And then first time we go out shopping for property, and next time, the time after, as many times as I can, I will show up, we have little coolers, I will show up with their favorite snack and their favorite drink. That goes a long way for creating buyer loyalty. Uh, someone mentioned on a, on a call the other day I was on and I went and looked it up and it was really cool. Eating the same foods, like breaking bread, but literally eating the same food creates a psychological connection that gives you better results. I don't have the study pulled up this morning, but if you want, you can Google it. It's really interesting. They did, they did a study with it. So get the snack and you want to munch on the same snack along with your, uh, with your client. Eating the same food actually creates a psychological bond that produces better results. 
what are you guys doing when you meet clients? Any of the other little tips, tricks, hacks that you're doing to create loyalty on those first couple showings, meetings with your buyers? You know, let's do anything fun. All right. Well, snacks and drinks is an easy one. It'll cost you less than 10 bucks. It's going to take you about 10, 15 minutes to stop by that store. And does it, has anyone ever done that? Has anyone tried that? Well, Jen, what, what sort of response do you get when you, when you show up and you surprise them with their favorite snack or drink? Um, people love it. Like I have a whole little bag for them when we're going to go to the next spot. And I also put a little buyer's packet in there that has like, I already send it to them but it's just a handout of like who pays what, the track of escrow, what to expect next. I think people like just to be handed something tangible. They absolutely love to be handed something tangible. And that ties exactly into the next point I had actually, Jen, which is you want to communicate in a way that answers questions before they are asked. You're giving them this information. So think about your favorite sales experiences you've had. Think about outside of real estate for you guys or in real estate before you got in this yourself. Think about the things the salesperson did. They're typically communicating with you in a way where they know the way you think or they're just anticipating and they're answering questions. They're leading you through it. So that packet Jen brings gives the information before they have to ask it in addition to being something tangible. That's awesome. I, I love that, Jen. Um, it also makes you look really professional. And does anyone feel like, isn't buying them snacks and drinks like buying their loyalty or buying their love? It absolutely is. You are. That's a good thing. <laughs> and, they, and even if they see right through it, they're going to still appreciate it, right? Because like, you're not doing it to buy their loyalty. You're doing it because it's, it's fun. It's cool, right? Has, anyone, has one of your friends ever showed up and surprised you with a little snack or your significant other or, or anybody else has showed up and surprised you with coffee or tea or a little... Like, does it make you feel good? My wife has a friend who's just the, the nicest person. She, she routinely will drop by the house. And I don't know if it's just if she knows if something stressful had gone on in my wife's life that day, but she'll just drop by with a little like pastry or snack. And every time it's just, it, it just creates that little warm connection. It took an extra minute. She's probably at the coffee shop anyway. She picked it up. You guys have seen this in your life. You can do the same thing with your clients. All right. So communicate in a way to answer questions before they're asked. Does anyone else have ways that they do that? What are ways you guys communicate when you're walking through houses, right? What are you saying? What are you pointing out? Oh, and back to gifts, by the way, Latissa says, uh, if they have kids, she is uh, bringing something for the kids too to entertain them. That's awesome. I didn't have that on my list. I love that. That goes a big way to not only get focused with the parents, but buy some loyalty because anyone who has kids, they know if someone goes to entertain your kids and you have a minute, you are forever grateful, right? All right. And John, I love that quote. People don't know how much you, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. All right. So Miles takes notes and on their comments about the home. I love that one. Okay. If you want to go back to creating loyalty and going above and beyond. If you are walking around the house and taking notes on what they're saying, especially if you remember it later, people love to feel heard and listened to. So that is something that I, I don't know if I actually have gone so far as to carry a clipboard. I think I have a pretty good memory. I'll remember things, but I wonder, if you, do you guys ever carry a clipboard? I'll take notes on listings, right? So Michael's nodding his head. He carries a clipboard. That's a great one. It's like going to a restaurant and having that server repeat back to you the order. And it makes you feel just it takes that level of anxiety down. You feel heard. Okay. I love that. Anything else, guys? Miles uses the Evernote app. 
Ooh. I, I used to use Evernote a lot. I don't use it much these days. That's a great reminder. Do you sort, and I don't know if you're able to come on mute, Miles, but do you, do you sort by property and tag each one as you're going through it? Do you do anything special with Evernote? If you want to type it in the box, go ahead. You want to come off mute? Would you do anything special how you use Evernote? Yeah, I usually just um, make a note of the, the client and then a quick note about the MLS number. And then I can go back and I usually have a printed out sheet, uh, the one sheet from the MLS on every home that I give to them at the end. And I'll email them or text them with the notes at the end. That's awesome. Those of you who are techie, you like that? Right? You can sort by MLS number, you can come through it. Michael's on the opposite end of the spectrum, Miles. Michael says he tries to never bring his phone out. So that way you can feel like he's in the moment with them and giving them your attention. I like that too. There's no right or wrong way to do this, guys. Right? Like you want to use your personality and connect with the clients. The idea is to create an experience that goes above and beyond, and that creates the loyalty. Uh, Travis brings a measuring tape. It's good, right? That I, every buyer's agent or anyone working with a buyer or a seller for that matter should have a little realtor toolkit in their car, including a, buyer, a measuring tape. Raise your hand if you've got a measuring tape in your car. All right, I know what sort of gifts we got to be sending out here. Make notes, guys. Those of you without your, hand, without your hands up, we got to send you guys some measuring tapes. We'll make some agent power huddle measuring tapes. <laughs> Patrick Lee's got his hand up. Awesome. You got a measuring tape, Patrick. I mean, and Miles always has his digital measuring tape. Ah, is that called your phone? Or do you have like an actual like digital measuring tape? Like the one that like the laser sight. Okay. It's definitely one of the little laser sight ones. It was about 30 bucks at Home Depot and it's perfect. Clients love it. And they get to measure each room, uh, kind of see themselves in there. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys a quick story that you'll see how this ties in. Does it really matter if a room is 10 feet or 11 feet? I mean, kind of, not really, but why do clients love measuring? Not all clients, but why do some clients love measuring all rooms? Here's my theory. Have you guys heard the Betty Crocker cake story of how they created Betty Crocker and started coming up with the cakes in the fifties? All right, check this out. So they created this this thing before it was Betty Crocker, like a cake in a box that all you had to do was add water and people hated it. They were like this, like it, it felt too easy at the time. It was like, they, they, so they went back to the drawing board and they said, all right, I have an idea. Let's have people crack a couple eggs, add the water, stir it together, bake it. Boom. Then it's a cake. People loved it. And it turned into the Betty Crocker we know today. And it was allowing people to have a little bit of input and part to it. So I, I think that measuring the rooms has that feel to it where you allow people just to get a little bit of themselves into like getting dirty in the process of like, not that measuring a room is getting dirty, but you guys know what I mean? It's like, they feel like they're a part of it. That's my guess psychologically. So I love that one. I, and I do not have a digital tape measure. I'm going to Amazon Prime myself an upgrade. All right, digital tape measures. This is good. Keep throwing out the ideas, guys. I, I knew you'd have some cool things you guys do. What, what, else, what else do you guys do when you're in the home in the showings? So we got tape measures, digital tape measures. We got Evernote. We've got notepads, so we don't have to bring our phones out. Anything else you guys are doing to create loyalty when you're doing showings? I need the Jeopardy theme song while you're typing. And if not, we'll roll forward. I got more bullet points. All right, so write this one down. Overall, creating loyalty. Oh, wait, hold on. We got someone who just popped up in the chat box. It says, uh, 
Oh, got it. Deborah's saying they can go home and measure to make sure their furniture fits. Absolutely. That's why I, I was kidding when I said, does it matter if it's 10 feet versus 11 feet? I mean, it does if they have specific pieces of furniture that they're putting in there. It really does. I just think it's funny because you'll stand in houses sometimes and people will argue over the, the six inches difference. Of, well, I measured it this way. I measured it that way. Trying to figure out what the, how big the room is. It's been there for, for as long as you can in your 15-minute showing window. All right. Um, I believe in doing things that other agents can't or won't especially in this market, but just in general, doing things that other agents can't or won't. And in terms of buying loyalty or creating loyalty, your then job is to communicate those things that you're doing with your client all along the way. So we've done a number of agent power huddles about finding off-market properties. If you need any references, um, Zach will probably drop our YouTube channel in the chat box here. Um, so you can listen to him and go back and listen to the podcast. There's a number of episodes on finding off-market properties. Pick one, two, three different things that you can do. And then as you do them, communicate each step of the way. So let's say you're going to do a mailing right, to a neighborhood looking for off-market properties. So you, first, you're going to say, hey, we got the list together. And then you're going to say, all right, we put the mailing together. Then you're going to say, we sent the mailing out. And each step of the way, every time you do a little piece, you, you're communicating that effort to your client, which just shows you're going above and beyond. Does that make sense, guys? There are things that we're probably doing anyway. And when we do those mailings to the neighborhoods or your circle prospecting or your calling expires or whatever you were doing to, to target to try to find off-market properties, you're really looking for listings as well. You're not doing it just to find a needle in a haystack for this buyer. If you can find a match between buyer and seller, awesome. But know that you're getting some benefit because you're looking for a listing. But while you're looking for that listing, you're communicating back to the buyer and you're helping buy yourself some more loyalty, buy some time. I won't say that you can keep buyers around forever these days. I'm sure everyone has experienced at least something, right? At least something uh, where they had a buyer who wrote six offers and finally got frustrated, but all these sort of things do help. Patrick's got a question. What types of comments should agents be making while looking at a home or should I be silent? Or it depends on a client. That is a fantastic question. I'll give you my answer. And then I want to hear from a couple other people. Like Jen, you said you've worked with 75% buyers over your career. I'd love to hear because there's no right or wrong answer here. So but let's start with this. What types of comments should an agent be making while looking at a house? I'd say the first one is, oh my, look at that. No, I'm kidding. Don't, uh, no, I just wanted to. So what, what do you say when you're, when you're walking through a house? I learned to lead with my eyes. And what do I mean? So I worked in a open air market in Florence, Italy. When I was in college, I was in study abroad in Florence, Italy. I know I tell a lot of stories. How's this tie in, Jesse? I'll tell you. Okay. Working in this market, I was taught by this guy who I, we barely could communicate with each other, but I learned enough that he was teaching me some sales, standing in this market. I've always been a sales nerd. And he said, you want to watch people's eyes when they come into the booth. Right? We were selling like purses and leather goods. You want to look at people's eyes, not what they say, not what they tell you, but watch where their eyes go because that's where they're really interested. It's the same way I've learned to show houses. You want to watch. So you got to walk a little bit ahead of your client. I like to walk ahead. If you walk directly behind them, you can watch where their head goes, but it's kind of hard. I like to walk a little ahead and kind of turn back and you can see because they might say something, but you watch where their eyes go. That's what's really so. And I like to talk about wherever they're looking at, whatever they're focusing on. Um, the things, what do I, what do you say? Should you be silent? I'm definitely not silent. And this goes to personal personality styles, but I do leave a lot of space for them to think and create their own reactions. 
And I'd like to point out at least one thing that's negative about a house, especially if it's in one of the first showings that we do, right? Because you don't always just want to be the guy that's like, I was joking about being excited. Be the, be, you don't want to be the person who's always like, everything's amazing. Isn't this so cool? Look at this shag carpet. This is so nice. This is like the nicest shag carpet. I've seen it. It's in great condition, even though it's from the 70s. I mean, really did that incredible job of maintaining it. How do they keep that green color? Right? They'll see through it. So just being authentic. Jen or anybody else, what, what, do, you, what do you guys do in terms of comments you make while, while walking through a house? I, I think it depends on the client because I've had some quieter guys. So I try to match them because I'm a total extrovert. So I can get excited about almost every house. And again, I want to know what they think. So um, I walk in and I do try to follow where they go first. And then I'll get excited. I'll say one or two things. And then I do shut up. I've actually worked on being quieter. And then I ask them leading questions. Now I'm working to get a little more solid on the checklist that they said were deal breakers. So I have that written on my clipboard to like remind them like this has this and this and this. And then I have them rate it at the end of it so that I know what they both think because sometimes they'll have different scores. I, um, I, lo I love that. Do, do you ever check back in to see when you're standing at a house and they seem to like it if their deal breakers are still deal breakers? No, but that's what I'm working on now because I have some really picky clients that now it's about guiding them towards like this house has everything that fits your deal breakers. So what is it really? And, um, and, that, and that's a, that, so when you say leading questions, let's give a couple examples of that. So my, what popped into my head was with deal breakers was, okay, when we first met, you had told me you really didn't want X, Y, Z. Now that you're standing in this house, how does that feel? Mm -hmm. Right? Does it still feel the same way? That's kind of, right. That's kind of what, what are the leading questions you say you like to ask leading questions? Can you think of a couple that pop into your head? Well, there's, there's this um, one couple that I have that are really been kind of tricky. And so the other day we found a deal breaker that wasn't even on their list. Like they've got to have a view. They want to have a view and it really led to what does this house have? What does this house not have that you wish it did? Cause it had like everything on their list. So what is the house missing? And then that may become a deal breaker to the top of their list. So now I'm not showing them anything without a view. And that go. hasn't been there. And we've been working together for way too long. So <laughs> things can change when you also might have clients that they're like, their, their, their target keeps changing. So it's training me to get, um, what are the questions that bring them back to like, okay, so what you really want is a view. We're open for different locations. That is one of the most important things to you. And they were like, yep. And it's been months so that didn't come out. And what do you guys have? What are questions? I, I was going to say, Craig come off me and I was going to have Craig, Craig pop in here. I want to hear, do you have questions, Craig? You said, or are you totally silent when you walk through a house? No. So <clears throat> I honestly, I mean, I don't work with a lot of buyers, but what I teach my team and the buyers I do work with, I don't even talk about the house. Like the house will sell itself. I'm there to sell me or sell the team or whatever. Um, I mean, I'll throw stuff out here and there. Oh, that's cool. Check this out. But like, I'm trying to build rapport and I'm trying to sell myself to them. I love it. And Jen, those are excellent questions. And Craig, that makes total sense as you're walking through it. Right. I love it. All right. Uh, I got like three minutes. Allison Murphy's who watching on Facebook. She says, I always like to put my buyers in the seller's shoes because someday you'll be a seller and point out maybe a location issue or a floor pin issue that usually makes buyers realize I'm in their corner. I love that, Allison. Really, really, really good. Cool. Um, 
Patrick, I hope that's helpful. Um, I, I think that should uh, answer some questions. And I'm laughing because as I wrote down my notes for this last night, I'm like, I don't know if we've got enough for 30 minutes. Clearly, we had plenty of stuff for 30 minutes. Because <laughs> we're only halfway through the bullet points I wrote down. So I'll give you a couple of little ones last minute here for, uh, um, for creating loyalty. But thank you, Jen. Thank you, Craig. Uh, and everyone for participating. I really appreciate it. Um, so this is just a, a quick and easy one, gifts and Popeyes, right? These days, as COVID opens up in different states and we have different regulations, um, even if someone hasn't necessarily been uh, a closed client yet, you still can do little gifts, Popeyes, things like that, the same things you would do with a past client to create loyalty, right? They're, and again, are you buying their affection? Yes, but you're not doing it in a in an in a, like a, like a negative way. You're doing it just like, a, you guys had talked about something that came up in conversation and then you saw it and you picked up this little thing to surprise them. It's those small things that I believe, Jen mentioned earlier, her, you know, her love language is gifts. There's a book about the, the different love languages. You want to start to recognize in your clients what is their love language, whether it be words, gifts. I forget the other two. You'll have to help me on it. But there, there's four different, four different love languages, four or five, right? All right, cool. Um, the last one, and this ties into what Miles said, or I Miles said earlier, but just remembering details about their life and take notes. You don't have to take notes in the moment, but when you're done meeting a client for the first time or the second time or the third time, I always go and update my notes on them. Right? Did they mention something about what their kids do for fun? Did they mention something about what they do for fun? A trip they've been to, a place they've gone, something they love. I just start taking down notes so I can go back and review later because that spurs the ideas for gifts, that spurs the idea for conversation. And when you reference the next time you see them, hey, I remember your kids were going for, you know, they had a soccer game. Or you guys were going out of town for XYZ to go do this thing. How'd that go? That really creates a connection at a depth that they will think, how did you know that? They won't know that you wrote that you went out later and took notes on them and came back. This is what I did with all of my corporate clients for years. Every time I'd meet them and I'd go learn all about them, I'd go and I'd take down furious notes and then I'd review those notes before I saw them next time. And this is the same thing politicians do, right? They have someone behind them walking around whispering in their ear, this is Mr. So-and-so, this is Mr. So-and-so, they do X, Y, Z, and then they talk. You can cheat and do the same thing yourself by taking good notes, right? And I hate to compare agents to politicians because we're not the same at all, right? Not to save it all, but I hope this is fun, guys. Did you learn something good or at least have to share some ideas? I thought this was a great, a great topic. So thank you, Ryan Pickard, for giving me this topic idea. I'm, I hope you're, his, his, he had something going on with his family, so I hope everything's okay. And he'll be back on and we'll go a little deeper on this topic when he is back and ready. And guys, enjoy your Wednesday. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you all tomorrow morning. Bye, guys. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.